Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. We've been going through the uh, series in basically Christ's likeness. And in our key verse, which you don't have to turn there, but Romans, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, remember Paul says, my determined purpose is to become like Christ, to be conformed to the image of Him. And I think it's important, is that really uh, what we really are wanting to do? And if you remember just some of the uh, ones we've had, since this would be the eighth one, the first one, you remember the first one, the prerequisite is we have to come to know Jesus Christ our personal Savior. And He is conforming us to the image of His Son, so it's whether we want to work with His plan or against it. If you remember, the first one is intimacy with Christ we looked at, and do we really want to draw closer to Him? And I think a lot of times people don't, but if we really want to become Christ-like and work with His plan, we want to be spending time with Him. Also, then, another one we had was the simplicity, getting rid of things. How many of us have to get rid of things? Mike's been in my barn. Hey, I've gotten rid of a bunch of mowers. I'm getting rid of more. Gene's often said, when you, if something happens to you, a dumpster's coming and we're getting rid of mowers. <laughs> so I thought I'd just help her out and start by getting rid of But for all of us, there's a lot of things that we need to get rid of. We have so much clutter in our life, we cannot spend time with Christ. We also looked a little bit then of uh, silence and solitude when it comes to service. If you think about with Christ, as well as his disciples, they would serve. They then get away for a time alone. They then would serve again. You also had the same thing when it comes to silence. How many of us are talking so much, or the radio is so much, we can't hear God if He was talking? And we need silence. We had a, if you remember, then we then on the uh, fifth one, we then that of surrender. How many of you have a hard time surrendering? Uh, we like to, maybe he's co-pilot, and when we can't handle it, we give it to him, and then soon afterwards we take it over. If you think about it, we then saw that in Philippians 2, that we were supposed to be like Christ in Philippians, and that we were to have that attitude, he gave up heaven, gave up everything, and went and served in the will of the Father to do it. Then we, if you remember, we looked at prayer. And if you think about with prayer, Throughout the book of Luke, you find Jesus praying. He's praying all the time. And we looked at his prayer life. We're supposed to be like Christ. And when did he pray? Why did he pray? Who did he pray? We looked at those things in the book of Luke and saw that. And then last week, if you recall, we looked a little bit about humility and humility in service. And it's, uh, often you don't see people that serve with humility. What we're told to is demanded. And when we serve, how many of us when we serve are we giving Christ the credit? We're told to in Matthew 5, they see your good works and glorify God who is what? In heaven. Do they see our good works and glorify us? We want that. We also, if you remember, we uh, want to look at uh, let others praise us and don't seek praise yourself. Uh, looking for an eternal reward. And it's also a walk of faith. You think about with Joseph, that's quite a walk of faith that he had. Uh, when he makes the statement in Genesis 50 and verse 20, you meant it for evil, but God what? Meant it for good. And so I think it's important. So when we look at it today, I want to then look at one that uh, will fit real well with what has gone on at uh, Asbury. 
if you've been keeping up with the revival that started at Asbury and then it uh, just uh, two days ago, three days ago they stopped the town said uh, 6,000 we can't keep having 50,000 people show up they need to have a revival in their own locations and so they stopped it I want to think about it uh, when you look at it in Acts 16 this won't be our text but in Acts 16 I'm always amazed when I look at Paul and Silas and they're beaten and they're put in stocks and in prison and they're Roman citizens without a trial it's illegal but what do you find Paul and Silas doing? <coughs> singing and praising and the other jailers are listening to such an extent that when the jailer wakes up what does he say? What must I do to be saved? There's something different about you guys and I want it. I think the key word there would be self-control. I'm going to have a little bit of trouble with self-control. Yeah, it's all three. There's three of us to raise our hand. All right. Well, maybe you all just need to exit. I'll talk to these three. If you think about it in Romans chapter 7, we'll look at a, a few things. In Romans 7, I think the first thing is recognize that we do have a problem. It's called an internal civil war. We have an internal civil war going on in us. <clears throat> How many of you ever feel like this the, in verse 15 of Romans 7? Paul's writing it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For that which I am doing I don't understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. If I do the very thing I don't wish to do, I agree with the law and confess it's good. So no longer am I doing it, but the sin which indwells me. I, am, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh, for the wishing is present in me, but the doing is not. You realize we, we agree that our sin nature is alive and well in our life. We have this civil war going on, and sometimes the Holy Spirit has control, and sometimes sin nature has control, and all you have to do is get on 169 or anything else, and it'll be tested for you. <laughs> It's amazing you can be having a great time and it can any little thing can set you up. We have this civil war that's going on. And I think it's also interesting, you'll notice uh, going to 19, for the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very thing that I don't wish. But if I'm doing the very thing I don't wish, I'm no longer the one doing it, sin which indwells me. I think the one thing to recognize then is we have a sin nature in us and two, on my own, I can't win the battle. It's like with uh, <clears throat> people who are alcoholics, the first thing they have to come to realization is what? They're an alcoholic. First thing you and I need to do as a Christian to realize I cannot control the sin nature just by myself. My willpower will work for a little while, but it will not sustain and so I think the important thing is recognize I can't do it I have it I'm born with it I'll have it until the day I die but I don't have to give in to it and so I think the first thing is this recognize we're at war and then the war is going to last how long lifetime until we get a resurrected body and so I think it's important for us to do so that's the first thing recognize I have a problem 
this internal civil war. If you look in chapter 8 of Romans, and you'll see where the battle really is at. If you'll notice starting in verse 4, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who do according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. And you go on to 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So notice the battle is over what? It's over the mind. Rulership of the mind. What controls your mouth? What controls your eyes? What controls your feet? Where it goes. Your hands, what they do. It's all a battle over the mind. Whatever controls your mind, that's what's going to come out in your words, your actions, your thoughts, everything. The battle is over the mind. I think it's important for us to recognize there's a command that you have, don't walk according to flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is a command. And then you have consequences. If you... We don't notice you cannot have life, you can't have peace, and you will not please God when we're living in the flesh. And how much of our time is spent living in the flesh? We are not pleasing Him. And so I think it's important that uh, what happens uh, on the rulership and whatever controls my mind. Think about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Remember it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? The word transformed is which word? What is our English word that we get from it? Almost identical word for letter for letter. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. A butterfly goes from a caterpillar, changes internally, and becomes what? A butterfly. Same is true in our life when the Holy Spirit works in our life. I can conform and be like the world. Or I can be changed from the inside. But how many of us are trying to change us from the outside in? If you don't believe us, how many of us times we have all these rules that we think a Christian needs to be doing? We're trying to pick somebody to act like a Christian by doing what? Follow all these rules. I challenge you, make it from the inside out. If you look, heard any testimonies from Asbury, it's interesting, I was listening to him. Uh, last night, Jeannie pulled some of them up that was sent to her from her brother. It was interesting when he talks to the ones that were how it got started. It was a regular chapel. They have three chapels a, a week. After a chapel service, some of them stayed. It was interesting. One of them is the president. He said, well, we, I, I was really having trouble with this. Others, I was having trouble with this. And I just confessed my sin. Recognized it. The Holy Spirit takes control. And things started happening. They are being changed from what? The inside. Confess their sins, being changed from the inside. You know, people are flying in from all over the world wanting to be a part of it. Well, that's how you, you know, you can have it wherever you're at. And that's what they're hoping they would do is spread around. But you need to be changed from the inside. So notice, like you said, we have to recognize we have a problem. There's an inner war. The two, the rulership is over the mind. The third thing is, what road do we select? I think when you get to verse 13 of chapter 8, it tells you, notice the thing, for if we are living according to flesh, you must die. Talking about we're doing it, to, you know, we need to uh, do that crucified. 
but the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you live. Interesting, the putting to death the deeds of the body is present tense. It's a process. <clears throat> For me personally, I'm glad the Lord didn't tell me, Dan, for the next 60 years, here's the list of all the things I want you to change. You know, you start with one, you do another, you do another. Some of them you keep going back to, you know, another, come back, another, come back. But how many of you are glad he didn't have 500 of them listed there? We're pretty deaf. As it comes to our mind, well, you know, I need to address that. Then all of a sudden, well, I never saw that. There's a problem in my life, but I've had it for a long time, didn't notice it. And he cracked up. It's a process. It's a road that we take. It's also interesting, you remember when Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, remember he says, I forget what lies behind and I press on. You know, I haven't reached there yet. You think about Paul written that much of Scripture and he says, I haven't got there yet. It's a process. I'm on the road. I'm better than I was, but I'm working at it. And I'm working at it. And we need to recognize other people are working at it. And how many of you are further along the road, but you think they ought to be where you are or ahead of you? It's a process that we have to work on. It's a road selection that we have. And think about it. Look over in, uh, if you would, do Galatians chapter 5. So we have an internal war. It's a battle over the mind. What road selection we take. We have a process, but notice the possibilities. It's interesting, we know the passage well as the fruit of the Spirit, but he's running to believers, I think we'd agree with that. Notice what we can do if we're walking in the flesh. Notice in verse 15, bite, devour, consume. Boy. <clears throat> what about when he gets to the end of the passage in verse 26? Boastful, challenging, envy. Those are all possible for believers. When we're doing that, who has control of us? Satan. Flesh does our sin nature. We're following it. Any, any of you ever gotten jealous of somebody? Ever got a sibling you're jealous of? Or whatever it might be? Somebody else has done well. They got the promotion. We didn't get the promotion. Whatever it might be. It's easy. But notice what it has. What we're... So that's the possibility. I can follow in the flesh. And you also can see all the things of the flesh in verse 19 to 21. All those things we can give into. Or, notice what we can do. It's the Spirit. Notice in verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. 18. Be led by the Spirit. Verse 25. Live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. If the Spirit's controlling us. On Wednesday night, we noticed this in Luke chapter 4. Jesus says He was full of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. In verse 14, He had the power of the Spirit. If we're supposed to be like Christ. We need the same thing, don't we? If you remember in Acts chapter 6, you remember they said select men for the, to take over the care of the widows. They need to be full of the Spirit and full of power. He selected Stephen. He was full of spirit. He was full of power. And what did he do at the end of his life? Father what? Forgive him. What did Jesus say? Okay. The choices is all ours. What's taking place in Asbury 
We can likewise, if we want to allow the Holy Spirit to control us, or do I want to take control? And it's quite a battle that goes on. Think about what road you're selecting. I'll give you an example. Did Lot have a choice to make? And what choice did he make and on what was his basis? He chose the best land because the most fertile land, but what was it right next to? <coughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. And did it affect his family? Abraham should have been the one doing the selecting, being the older, but he allowed it. But it cost a lot dearly. The same thing happened with which road, it's a process, but there's a choice that we make. What are we going to choose? I think it's interesting when you look at it. And so, what road did you choose today? Driving in? Did you uh, have a little problem coming in? Oh, I said that, I shouldn't have said it. Oh, I thought that, I shouldn't have thought it. You think about it. If you're not on the right road, what do we do? You know, we can get on the right road. You know, I don't know how to do all the GPS when the, you know, the kids are with me and everything else, but if you get on the wrong road, immediately it redirects you and tells you all this. Stuff. How many of us need to get redirected? But how many of us make all the excuses? We have excuses for everything. I'm mad because of this. And one of the best things I remember he used to tell my parents, well, you know, she made me mad. He made me mad. And I finally had a kind of realization. Nobody can make me mad. I choose to get mad. Now, they may have done something wrong, but I chose to do that. And we need to accept the responsibility. So I want to think about it. What road are you on? And if it's not the right one, what road do I need to get on? And how am I going to get there? So we've had the, we have an internal problem. We have rulership of the mind. What's controlling it? I think it's important why you have in Psalms 1, what does it tell you? Don't stand, don't sit, and don't walk with who? The ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the word. And he meditates on it day and night in verse 2. It's amazing what people watch and what they listen to has an incredible impact on their life. And we can look at the same. What are we listening to? What are we watching? Who are we spending time with? 1 Corinthians 15, 33, what? Bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 24, what does it tell you? 22, 24. If you're around somebody that's given to anger, what's going to happen? And act like them. I'm thinking about a question. What happens if somebody says you're acting just like your mom, just like your dad? You ever had that said to you? Okay, is it our Heavenly Father they're talking about, or is it something else? Isn't that the greatest compliment you can have? They're acting like Jesus. That's where the Christian means a small Christ. The fourth thing, look over in Ephesians 5. We need role models. I think it's interesting when you look at it, you'll find this to be very, very true of what happened in Kentucky at Asbury. We saw this on Wednesday night. Notice in chapter Ephesians chapter 5, notice in verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitator, what word, what English word do you think we get from that? Mimic. Mimic. How many of us are mimicking Christ? 
Paul said the same thing. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Parents, grandparents, how many of you say, do as I say and not as I do? We need to be doing what? You know, do what I do and follow me. So notice, if we want to follow Christ, that's what we want to do. Notice what Christ does. And he obviously he had self-control. Even on the cross, Father, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but what? Thine be done. Notice then, if you want to do it, notice in verse, he's going to t- start telling you how to do it. Notice in verse 2, walk in love. That's the first one. How easy is it to walk in love? Does that have anything to do with our mouth? challenge you if you look in Ephesians chapter 4 if you went back just a couple of, you know but you're already there you notice it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit in verse 30 how do you grieve the Holy Spirit notice in verse 29 let no unwholesome the word unwholesome means rotten let no rotten word proceed from your mouth but only such a one is good for edification the need of the moment and give grace that's hard give grace they don't deserve it it's going to be what they need for right now it's going to build them up Notice in 31, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor be put aside of you, and then tells you to be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving just as, what? Christ forgave. So I want to walk in love. I'm supposed to be an imitator. That's my role model. Did he have self-control? Could he have called 10,000 angels down? When they're beating him and spitting on him and doing all those kinds of things, and he opened out his mouth? I mean, that's amazing when he had the ability to do something. He didn't because he loved us. Why don't you go down to uh, verse 8. You therefore former in darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of what? Alright? What does Psalms 119 tell us? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto what? You want to know how to walk? Are we in the Word of God where it's given us the light with which to walk? We walk in love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. only way you're going to have the love is if the Holy Spirit is controlling you. The only way we're going to know how to walk is if we're in the light. What about when you get to verse 16? Start in 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. How many hours in a day do we have? We all have 24-7. But how many people, how many times have you, you know, often said, if you want something done, give it to who? The The busiest person you know because they seem to find time to get it done. But I think it's interesting, it says, make the most of your time, the days are evil, then how many of us are making the most of our time? Walking in the light. Love. Doing these things. But keep going. I think you'll see where how the Asbury will fit in. Notice and then, then. So you're walking love. Walking in light. Making the most of our time. What about 17 and 18? So they do not be foolish. But understand what the will of God is. What's the will of God? Look at the next verse. Don't be drunk with wine. But be dissipate with just dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with wine, what controls you? Okay? I make the choice. 
I'm told to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, different things are going to occur. And if I'm controlled by my sin nature, I let it have control, and you know what's going to happen. And notice, we want to be like Christ. Did Christ understand what the Father's will was? Did He submit to it? He didn't want to go to the cross, but that's what we needed. What does He want from us? I think it's interesting. So role model, obviously, we're commanded to be like Christ. Walk in love. Walk in light. Make most of your time. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, notice what happens starting in the consequences, 19 to 21. Speaking with one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart. And I have a couple more in a second. Now think about it. At Asbury, when they're showing that stuff on TV, which I just saw it last night, I haven't been able to see much. What are they doing so much of the time? Singing. One of the outpourings you're going to find is going to be that of singing. And notice, making melody. What kind of attitude do they have? It's amazing sometimes when you get up here, and I'm sure that uh, Shelley and others can say, when they go out there, uh, you know, we talk about thinking Jesus loves me and do everything, and you look out there, and you think, man, it's sad. <laughs> it's really sad when you look out of the congregation. It's like, boy... I hope it's inward because it certainly isn't outward. <laughs> Notice if we a spirit has control of us, we should be saved. And it's amazing when you go to the ones, how many t- song after song, and they're really letting it go. But most of us don't let it go for what reason? Because we care that Brian's sitting next to us and he's going to laugh that we can't sing. All I had to do is ask us. We could have told him that. But, uh, but notice, singing, making melody. How many people look like they've eaten a persimmon when they come to church or any time of the week? That, I mean, that sounds true. Then I, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I intentionally took a bite out of persimmon before it got cold because I wanted to understand what my parents were talking about. And I, you know, you want to know something that's going to draw your mouth up, just take a bite out of one of them. It will definitely do it. But how many of us as Christians look that way? Why does a non-Christian want what you have? Why did the Philippian jailer want what Paul had and Silas had? There was a difference. And by the way, it wasn't their circumstances were good. It was their attitude in the circumstances that they saw and they wanted it. How are we responding? Notice the third thing. Giving thanks. In some things, right? All things. Same thing Paul has in Philippians 4. He's in prison. In Rome. Underground. I mean, that's a nasty place to be. Is there always something I can be thankful for? A person told me a long time, uh, several years ago when I asked him, how are you doing? He said, better than I deserve. Well, what do you deserve as a sinner? So no matter how bad the day is, we are still better than what we deserve. Because just read about what we deserve in Scripture and we better be thankful for what we have. Notice the fourth one. Subject to one another. 
How many of you have trouble being subject to one another? In the workplace, everybody wants to do what? Be the boss. Be the boss, the ruler, run on the top, step on anybody it takes to get there. Everybody always wants to get down to verse 22. They forgot about all the others up above being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So is Christ our role model? Did He walk in love? Did He walk in light? Did He make the most of His time? You look at the others. Did He have the... Was He thankful? Did He... Was He subject to other people? That's our example. Now when you think about that and you look at it, I'll give you a quote and then we'll look at another one. In my walking in love, in the light of His Word, making the most of my time, being guided by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that pretty much the summary of what we're looking at? I think that's what we need to look at. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is writing, if you remember, he's uh, been watching the Asthmatic Games, which occurred every two years. It's kind of a second only to the Olympics. And uh, when he writes 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, I think it's interesting when you look at it. What does it tell you in verse 24? How many of us are in the race? All of us are in a race, but how many win? <clears throat> One. Notice then the command, run in such a way that you may win. We're all in the race of life, but not everybody's going to win. How many of you really don't want to win? When I was uh, watching Will run cross country and other things, a lot of them, in fact, over, way over half the team didn't care about winning. They didn't really care. They didn't want to put in the time. They didn't want to work hard. They were just out there for having a good time. And there was girls out there or whatever it might be. And hey, they really didn't care. We're in a race of life. And how many of us are running to win? But what are you running to win? Notice what he says. What they ran to win was a perishable wreath. But you an imperishable wreath. Am I living for the line or the dot? If you're living for the dot, now there was great rewards. Athletes that ran in that day, any debt they had was canceled. They never had to pay taxes again. Well, wouldn't that be nice? How much more money would you have if you never had to pay taxes? They also would have a, a deal, a wall would be taken out part of the wall and they would have an emblem put in with their name and whatever put into the city wall. And some of the time they were then were provided food for the rest of their life. Just for doing what? Winning a race. But we get an imperishable one that we have for eternity. You have the crown of life. You have the crown of rejoicing. You have the crown of exaltation. You have so many crowns in Scripture that we're told how to get them. Notice that he tells you then, therefore, I run in such a way in verse 26, not as one who doesn't aim, I box in such a way, not as beating the wind. I buffet my body, where we get a word discipline. I make it my slave. Who's in, who's in charge of your mind? We are. Are we going to then allow the Holy Spirit to have control? Or are we going to allow our sin nature to have control? We have the choice. 
Luke 9, 27. I've been crucified with Christ. What? Okay, Luke 9 would be, uh, take up this cross how often? Daily. And follow Him. How many of us are taking up a cross every day? And for some of us, we take it up and we drop it, and we take it up and we drop it. You know, but it's still a process. We thinking about it. So let's think about that. Let me read uh, just one in closing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, DC Talk, some of you might have remembered DC Talk when Gene and I taught school. It was a, a, a very popular <coughs> Christian band, and for most of us, would say it's too loud, it's too noisy, and all the rest. But if you got to their words, it was pretty good words. This is out of a song entitled In the Light from 1 John. This is the words of their song. See if this would fit us. I keep trying to find a life on my own. Apart from you, I'm the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. What's going on inside of me, I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a Savior. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation because I want to be in the light. All I want is to be in the light. Okay, if I want to be in the light, I can be. But I have to make who in control of my life? Every day. But then when He tells me what to do, what do I need to do? Do it. Trust and obey. You ever hear the song, the Trust and Obey, ever hear how it was written? The man that wrote the song said there were so many people giving their testimony and they had great experiences. He said, I didn't, mine wasn't a life-changing great experience. I just had to keep trusting and obeying. And that's the same for you and I. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.